Hi, everybody. Welcome to my new podcast. If you arrived here because you are a follower of my Facebook group or you follow me on Instagram or you watch my videos on YouTube, thank you so much. If you're a new listener, thank you as well. This first episode ever of my podcast is the video that I put up on YouTube interviewing Matt Bertrand. He's a YouTuber and he's a runner who has qualified a whopping 20 times for the Boston Marathon. In this interview, we chat about how he did that, where he runs, how he trains, and how he fuels. This is a very interesting interview with someone who's extremely motivational and inspirational to all of us runners. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you. I was standing downstairs waiting to get on the tender and I saw other people getting on another tender for when they do excursions. So the excursion people get off first, but I wasn't on an excursion. I just had to get off to run a race. So um, yeah, I asked someone on the cruise ship. It could have been a disaster. Hey, Judy. And she made a big rack of ribs for me. I remember I was like, oh man, I'm like the king. And it was very soon after that, that I was like, I think it's time to make a change. Hey Susie, thanks for having me on your channel. Oh, I'm so excited to have you because I've been obviously a fan, you know this, because I, you know, try to comment, not always I can comment on every video that I watch of yours because you're very prolific, you have a lot of videos, but I try to always say something, at least acknowledge that I watched your videos and you have. And it's always, it's always appreciated because, you know, the comments are the reason that I make videos. It's, right. um it's that interaction with people, you know, that really gets me excited and it sparks other conversations. Right, right. And I especially love your life um, when you go live on YouTube and you talk to the camera and harmony, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> your wife comes in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then she, she talks to you. So I like those because they're very um, candid, you know, it's very conversational. So whatever questions yeah. we ask of you, then you guys answer. And it's always um, fresh and, I, I don't know, different to many other channels that are a lot more scripted. But that being yeah. said, I wanted you to introduce yourself for whoever's watching this who may not be familiar with who you are. Okay, thank you. All right, well, my name's Matt Bertrand. I have been a runner for about 15 years. I started in triathlon and I did that for several years before I switched over to running. Um, and you may have seen this in some of my videos uh, already, but my wife kind of introduced me to taking my running to the next level. So okay. when I met her, she was already, she was 20 marathons deep into her running career and I met her at my first half marathon. So she kind of encouraged me to, you know, push the pace a little more, do a little more than I did before. And, um, you know, the rest is history. So after that, I just started running more and kind of finding my own beat 
finding what distances work for me, finding what distances I actually enjoyed running more than the others. And, you know, as I said, 15 years, it's kind of a long time. So I've, I've changed a lot over that time when it comes to running and what I actually get from it. Um, but yeah, that's me. I'm Matt Bertrand. Oh, I didn't even mention, I have a running YouTube channel. So <laughs> while we're talking about introductions, um, my whole YouTube channel, it kind of, it came about because I wanted something extra to do with my time. Cause I felt like that all I did was run and I was all about running and well, you could argue that I still am because I have a running YouTube channel, but it was just a little something extra. And I got to, I mean, now I have it, I get to reach out to a lot of people. We get to chat. Um, I've made a lot of good friends through the channel and it's just been, it's been a hugely beneficial thing for my running. And sometimes when I don't feel like doing what I say I'm going to do or what's on my schedule, you know, I think about my channel and I think about the people that are watching me and maybe I'm encouraging them or maybe I'm just embarrassed not to do what I said I was going to do. And it kind of gives me that extra motivation to push forward. Right. And that's, I can tell you it's working because I see your Instagram posts too. And it's like, Matt, it's out there again. <laughs> I need to get out myself. You know, <laughs> and when yeah, you post, I did seven miles this morning. It's like, okay, I, I really need to get out the door. <laughs> Instagram has kind of been a kind of a new thing for me. And in the same, the same token as YouTube, it's just to provide motivation. And right. recently I've been posting a photo every day uh, of my run and you know, my whole goal with it is just to encourage people. So they see me going out there and taking care of business. And I, you know, I complain a lot. I complain about the heat. I'm down here in Florida. I complain about the weather, but you know, even when you don't feel like it, it can still benefit you. You know, right. you have to, a lot of, a lot of the stuff I talk about is motivation and discipline. And I wouldn't say I am an incredibly motivated person when it comes to it. But I do have that discipline and that helps me get out the door. And I found that motivation comes, motivation can come after the fact. So you might not be motivated to start, but you've got to have discipline to kind of kickstart that engine and then motivation takes over. I agree with that so much. So is your wife also a Boston qualifier? Because I know you are and I wanted you to talk to us about how if you yeah. decided to qualify for Boston and so, so is she a Boston qualifier? She is. Yeah. She, um, she actually doesn't run as much anymore, although in the last couple of months she's been running a, a lot, but she stopped racing marathons 10 years ago, maybe nine years ago, but she ran Boston in 2003. And if you, if you ask her, she wasn't really a fan of the race. Um, you know, she did it because she qualified and she qualified by, by a lot when she was running. Um, and she wasn't really a fan of the race. If you, if you ask her what her favorite race is, she'll say New York City. And oh. it's just a different atmosphere. And, um, you know, Susie, you're going to get to Boston one day and you'll see, you'll see <laughs> the difference. Yeah, no, you will. You, you definitely will. I am but determined, Boston, but we'll see. I mean, anything could happen. Boston's kind of, it's different because... Obviously, to get there, you have to you have to qualify, 
and the qualifying times, you know, they're not, they're not super hard. You know, I, I, think, I think most people can qualify for Boston um, with the right training, with the right commitment to the training. And, you know, that counts for a lot. It's not just about running a fast time. It takes work to get there. But I, I think it's reachable for a lot of people. And when you get to Boston, they line you up in your corrals with, I don't know, a thousand people all around you. But you've been seated and everyone around you is pretty much exactly the same capability as a runner as you. So you are running with people for the entire race. So it's, it's quite surprising because I do a lot of smaller marathons where like the last half, I'll be running on my own for most of the race. But no matter how fast you run at Boston, you know, a mid-packer like me, no matter how fast you run, you are always going to be surrounded by loads of people. And right. it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to have that because you've always got someone to help you dig deep and, you know, just give it that little bit extra. Right. Very cool. So how did you decide that you wanted to maybe attempt to qualify for Boston? Did you want to or did it happen by accident? You know, it was never really something that I gave it, I gave too much thought. So I first qualified for Boston in 2007 at the, uh, the Manitoba Marathon in okay. Winnipeg. And I think it was probably my third marathon that I'd run. But the great thing about marathon running, and I'm going to jump again and say that the marathon is my favorite distance. It's, uh, That's awesome. It's just, yeah, it really, the marathon really takes something out of you and it demands a lot. It demands strategy as well as training. And so I didn't have a lot of experience with the marathon. And when I went out to the Manitoba Marathon after running a couple before that, you know, I pushed myself and I finished these marathons absolutely exhausted. But the, the difference between Manitoba and the other ones was that I started off a little faster. And I remember when I got to the halfway point and I was running, I think I was running with Harmony at that point. And I said, you know, oh, you know, I'm looking at my watch and all of a sudden I'm realizing, hey, I'm on pace to qualify for Boston. That's um, got to be so awesome, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, the first time you realize now a little bit's changed in those years because back then they gave you an extra 59 seconds. So I think back then my qualifying time was three hours and 10 minutes, but you could run a three hour and 10 minute and 59 seconds and okay. still get in. Now, those days are long gone. They've taken away the 59 seconds and you have to beat your qualifying time by four or five minutes to actually get in the race. Cause Make sure that you're getting in. Yeah. yeah. So I, I remember that feeling and I remember her saying, you know, all right, go for it. You know, drop the hammer and put it down. Um, and I took off and I, and I qualified. And I didn't go to Boston after I qualified uh, during that race. Um, I qualified uh, several years before I actually went. And 2013 was the first year. And that was the year of the bombing. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. So that was, um, and that was pretty intense. And I actually had no intention of running Boston again uh, after 2013. But such a big deal and I knew that 2014 was going to be a really special event 
uh, after the bombing, you know, with everyone coming back and the whole Boston Strong movement. And it was, um, it was pretty exciting. So I went back and, you know, and then I've been back a couple of times since then. So which one is your favorite marathon? Because the, the distance is your favorite race, but which one is like your yeah. favorite? Okay. So Boston is pretty, is pretty good. I really enjoy the whole atmosphere. Okay. Um, there's a lot of build up to it. I like meeting everyone at the expo, at the race, and everyone's worked hard to get there. And it's a, right. it's a real sense of achievement to run Boston. Um, plus, my mum lives up there, so it makes it very easy for me. Now, Boston is kind of a tricky race. You know, the, the first wave goes off at 10.05, and you have to be there, like, hours before. And if you take the bus from the city, you have to get on the bus at 6 a.m., and they bus you out, and it's a whole production. Um, but... Um, my mum will drive me to the start in Hopkinton and then either my sister or my brother-in-law will pick me up in town. So it's very convenient. And for that reason, it makes running Boston very easy for me and I enjoy it. But my favorite marathon was, uh, gosh, I knew you were going to ask me this. It was the MDI marathon and it's up in Bar Harbor in Maine. And it's, uh, it kind of goes around Acadia National Park and it's, it was so gorgeous. But we were on vacation at the time, and I just happened to be Googling, we were on a cruise, and I was just Googling the destinations and seeing if there was any races. And gosh, I got pretty excited when I found out that the MDI Marathon was on the day that we were supposed to be in port in Bar Harbor. Um, so I actually emailed another runner up there and just saying, hey, I'm coming into town, I've got nothing, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm gonna be taking a boat from the cruise ship into town. And he was like, yeah, um, yeah, I'll help you out. Just come and meet me. And they, they took my bag to the finish. So I had to get on a tender from the cruise ship and it, it really got down to the last minute. And so I got on the tender, I ran to where I was dropping my bag, ran to the start and started immediately. Oh, so wow. it was, it all just, it all clicked. And because it clicked, it was just, it was super exciting. It was beautiful. The weather was cool. Um, it rained a bit and that was exciting as well. It was just, it was a fantastic experience. And then I took a bus, you know, bus back to town and got on a cruise ship and I was on vacation. And that's the best recovery from a marathon is right, right. being on vacation. But it really has to follow at the right time because I've done cruises and you don't arrive like by the time the, the, you know, the cruise ship docks or, you know, you get tendered into port, it's probably 10 a.m. So yeah, um, you got lucky that I, you, could, I, you were able to start, you know, like. Yeah, it was, it, it worked out very well. Um, so you kind of know the schedule ahead of time. And I knew that we were getting in port at, say, seven o'clock. And I knew that the race started at 7.30. And I'm just throwing these times out. And I also knew that cruisers usually get to where they're going to dock, you know, about an hour before they start letting people off. So I knew I possibly had a little wiggle room. Uh, so I was standing downstairs waiting to get on the tender and I saw other people getting on another tender for when they do excursions. So the excursion right. people get off first, but I wasn't on an excursion. I just had to get off to run a race. So um, yeah, I asked someone on the cruise ship, one of the staff members and they were like, 
oh, really? Okay. And they kind of shuffled me along and got me on the first tender. And it all worked out. I mean, it, it could have been a disaster. I could have got there, you know, that 10 minutes so late. That is so funny. It's such a great story, though. Can you? Yeah, that's one of those times when I'm sure people were curious if you won the marathon or if you were someone famous. Because yeah, there's a lot I of people. Did not win the marathon. That was just <laughs> that was just the fun. So down here in Florida, everything is pretty flat. You know, I don't have a lot of hills, and that was the little hillier that I'm used to. Um, you know, I had trained for it, but I can't even remember what I ran. I think maybe three seventeen. 315. So, what's your qualifying time for Boston? Well, it has moved during the years, right? Because yeah, it's not every five years it changes. Well, it changes, but then they've been dropping it down. So, right. um, you know, it started going up, but then too many people started qualifying for Boston, so they had to make some changes. And so now they've dropped the qualifying times. So, yeah, my qualifying time now, I'm 42 years old, and it is uh, 3.05. But I have to run, or is it 3.10? Yeah, and now I'm saying now you need, a, you need three it. hours, roughly. You need three hours to be able to. But you know, I have to, I, you know, why I said that was because you had to beat your qualifying time by like four and a half minutes to get in. Right. So I was thinking I had to run a three hour and five minute marathon in order to qualify for Boston. Um, and yeah, and I actually I ran that uh, earlier in this year. That is so fantastic. How, how, how do you get to be so fast? Is it, what do you think is, is it, well, you're probably going to tell me it's a combination of things, but what do you think has the most you know, weight? Fast is it, is, is it, fast is definitely relative. Um, and, you know, I'm only fast to someone that doesn't run as fast as me, but there are, there are so many people that are faster than me. And for me to ask them, you know, what do they do to be fast? Well, you know, and I'll, I will, I'll walk right into your track. It is a combination of things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's dedicated training, um, which I, you know, I'm not, at this point in my life, I am not dedicated to run my fastest time ever. I'm, I'm enjoying running at this stage rather than going out and nailing intervals and being committed. Now, when I do have a race coming up, I kind of dial it in a little more to, um, to get that speed. But um, I actually enjoy running for running's sake more now than I used to. Uh, but you know what? There's a big genetic component too. Right. So I kind of look at it, I kind of look at it that, you know, I said that most anyone can qualify for Boston. And I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that might say, oh, Matt, that's, that's rubbish. You know, a, a person that is running a seven-hour marathon is not going to qualify for Boston. And maybe that's true. But there is a large segment of the population that I think with, with dedicated training that they can actually get there. Uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing special about me or the times I run. It's very, I'm a very middle-of-the-pack runner. Um, I've been lucky enough to win a few races 
but that's only because they've been very small races. You know, when you get the, the faster people that come in or races that offer prize money, that brings in a lot of faster right. people. So, yeah, we can't, we can't discount the, uh, the, the genetic or innate uh, aspects of someone that makes them a better runner. You know, VO2 max can only be moved a little bit. So right. if you don't have a genetically high VO2 max, well, that's going to be holding you back from, you know, a certain speed. Right. Yeah, but I was just wondering if you thought, like, I have a friend who's much faster than me, and I asked, it's, it's a he, I asked him once, I can't, I'm not getting faster. I don't know what's going on. And so we'll run more if you run more. <laughs> which I did but it didn't get faster anyway so it was like I'm running all these you know miles and still I'm not getting faster so I did not get faster till I started doing speed training so to me that has been the key you know starting to do shorter training sessions instead of just putting yeah. you know like eight nine ten milers you know often just putting five miles but making them intervals um two minutes fast one minute so you know like yeah changing it up has done a lot more for me so i'm running less now but i'm getting faster so right now in summer it's our off season in florida for running there aren't a lot of races um right. running in the heat and humidity is very challenging your heart rate is just so much higher uh you know as it gets towards the end of the year i will start tweaking my training but um you know, there was a study, in fact, I think we talked about it on one of your live streams, and there was a study that I think Strava did about what it takes to qualify for Boston. And they analyzed all the data, and it was really exciting. And I think the average, average person that qualified for Boston ran 60 to 70 miles a week. So that's, that's pretty high. That's pretty high. And you know, with, with running a lot, with running more mileage, that just teaches your body so much stuff. You, you become more efficient. As, as you become more efficient, you're, you're not expending so much energy. So you're going to be running at a lower heart rate. If you're running at a lower heart rate, when you pick up the pace, you'll still be maintaining a sustainable heart rate for, for that pace, which could be a Boston qualifier pace, or it could be a personal best, um, right. anything like that. But that's not the only piece of the pie, you know, then you have to actually train your body to run faster. And of course, you know, we know that there is a most efficient cadence to running and speed is just, uh, it's a formula of cadence and stride length. So if you can, if you can run at a higher cadence and lengthen that stride length, which you get with running more miles and running efficiently, then you will naturally get faster um, right. but you can't just plod along because you won't be your most efficient so that's when you bring in those intervals those tempo runs those lactate threshold runs where you're just you know you're 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 towing the line of that lactate threshold and by towing that line before your blood lactate accumulates and it goes out of control and your legs get heavy and we, we all know that feeling it teaches it and it, it bumps it up just a little more so by training at those higher paces, you will raise that lactate threshold and you will, you'll get faster. And with the volume, you're teaching your body how to be more resilient. You're becoming stronger. You're strengthening uh, not just 
the neural pathways, but also your muscles and your ligaments and your tendons. And it all comes together in a beautiful symphony of running the best that you can run. <laughs> and you're, you know, the thing that I love the most about you and your channel is how passionate you are about running. Like, really. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I was, I was, I, so I pictured, because I, I knew that I was going to ask you, you know, how did you start running? So when you said, I've been running 15 years, I thought you were going to tell me, I started running when I was six. I was doing track and field in like elementary school or no. something. Because you strike me as someone who's just been running because you love it so much. It's just hard to um, imagine, well, yeah. no, you know, you. I grew up. I grew up in the UK and um, I can't say I was really into sports compared with other people, compared with some friends. You know, we play football because everybody plays football. Um, I was really big into mountain biking and I would do that. So that is what kept me in shape. And of course, back then um, we were outside all the time, just running around and playing, going for rides and taking off for hours at a time. And I remember when I was a late teenager, occasionally I would go for a run. I mean, I say occasionally, it was probably less than 10 times ever. But in my mind, I remember thinking, oh, I've got to go for a run and get in shape and get fit, you know? And, and then that kind of all went away. And then, you know, when you're in your, your 20s and early 30s, you have like a certain level of fitness just from being young and, and active. Right. Um, and then I just, uh, I met some friends and they were triathletes and I thought, oh, that's, that sounds really cool. I, you know, that's something that I could try. So, yeah, you know, got into swimming, got into biking, got into running. And then after several years, I kind of found out that running is what I enjoy the most. And it's just, it's gone on from there. If it wasn't because of this whole coronavirus thing, what would you be training for right now? Would you yeah, have something in the nothing. fall, like October, November? So I actually, um, I was registered for the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh. And so that is the middle of October. And I actually registered for that during, like, at the beginning of coronavirus, because I was like, ah, it's going to be over by then, and it'll be fine. But uh, the Marine Corps Marathon actually reached out to us. And right now, it's still being held. I'm expecting it to be canceled. But they gave us the option to defer to 2021 or 2022 so that was really nice and i deferred until 2021 okay. so yeah if we didn't we didn't have coronavirus i would be running that race and you know i do i like i like the autumn for for running so there's a lot of local races that i would be doing uh you know a lot of trail races just um you know having fun locally the marine corps marathon was the only one that i was actually going to travel for now, uh, last year, I did, I did quite a few traveling races. I went to Boston, Chicago, and New York. So that was kind of a big year for, for running and running in different places. Right. You know, there's a, there's a silver lining to, to every cloud, right? I know a lot of people are disappointed that all the races are canceled. But you know what? They're gonna, they will be back. There is a big enough market for them to come back. And we're going to have to do things a little different. And that's okay. You know, it's, right. it's okay to do things a little different and stay safe and we still get to do the sport we love. Right, right. Yeah. So have you run Marine Corps before or was this your first time? 
No, yeah, this this will be my first time. And I, um, I did it. You know, that was my first marathon, Marine Corps. Oh, really? Okay, so what did you think? <laughs> oh, my God. The year I ran it, it was so, so, so hot. Like, it was oh. very hot. I hit the It was not a good race for me. I hit the wall. But I hit the wall. Well, it was not like really, I, I think I was unprepared, but I don't think it would have been as bad if it wasn't because they ran out of water. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's, just like a, it's a sin in that's a market. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that is, um, that's crazy. There's a loop that goes around, I think it's mile 16. And there was supposed to be, I can't stand Gatorade. For starters, so they had, um, you know, how big marathons or most marathons they have water and Gatorade. Yeah. Um, I had my goose because I had my strategy with a goose, so I, I carried yeah. enough on my person, and I was going to grab water and then take a goo every other water stop, I think. Okay. Um, so I, I have my goo in my hand. I had like even open and everything, and I reached the table. They don't have water, so you can't take your goo because you're not gonna take the goo without water. That was a mile 16, so I took Gatorade. He didn't agree with my stomach. I was nauseous. I was oh. so thirsty. And then after that, like mile 17, I saw my husband and my son and they had water. They had a bottle of water and I drank okay. there. And then I was not able to drink again till mile, till the end, like mile 22. Cause they ran wow. out of water there. And it yeah. was so hot. It was, yeah, I remember going, there's, there's a bridge. You have to beat the bridge, okay, which I had talked. I was doing good with that. But I go over the bridge, and it's, like, blazing hot. The water is, like, the sun is reflecting on the Potomac. Like, it feels so hot with the asphalt yeah. on the bridge and over the water. And I look around. I think I'm running, but I look at my feet. I'm not running. I'm just trying to power walk because I was, like, so yeah. hot. I look around and it's like the walking dead. And there's, I see like a mirage, you know, like <laughs> the bridge says like this. And I see there's someone, I'm like, okay, there's water, there's water, there's gotta be water there. So as I get closer, it was a policeman and the policeman, he was yelling, there's water three miles ahead. Come on guys, keep going. Three miles? I almost punched him in the face because he was like, okay, I, I'm about to jump on the river. Like, I, just kind of, I was yeah, so hot, no so tired. Oh, God. Yeah. And it was, that was true. Like, there was water three miles after that. So there were like a full five miles. From mile 16, they ran out of water. So the, probably like six miles that they didn't have any water in any of the water stations. That, it was just That just sounds horrible. And yeah. you had you had also it was your first race, so you were struggling was, with first time running that distance. Oh my god, it was yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. So, so how many marathons have you run? I've run two. Then after that, I did um, Philadelphia. Philadelphia was much better, but it, Philadelphia okay. is in November. I'm trying to think. The year the year I ran it was November 18th, so it's later enough in the year that it's not. You know, it's not going to be hot. Yeah. So, so it was, okay. you know, it was like 55 degrees. By the time I finished, it was like 62. It was perfect temperature. And they have, that it's, sound nice. it, they have water in Philadelphia, they have water every two and a half miles. So even if you miss one, you have one, one water station, you have more yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's, okay. it's phenomenal. Good. Yeah. 
Well, hey, I've got something good to tell you. If you've only run two marathons, it definitely gets easier. Like okay. the third and the fourth and the fifth, you've had so much practice that just, you know how when you, when you first run a marathon, it's like it's a big deal to cover 26 miles. Yes. But once you've done that a few times, it's like you, you remember and you realize, hey, I can run 26 miles. That's no big deal. The only difference is, is that I need to run it a little bit faster this time. So it kind of removes a barrier from your brain after you've done a few marathons and the distance is taken out of the equation. And it's, I found, I mean, marathons are always hard, but it just, you don't have that like you do in the first couple where it's like, am I going to do it? Well, you're definitely going to do it. It's just the time that's the only variable. You still did it. It's, it's <laughs> that whole experience with it being hot, with there not being water, you know, you overcame so much more than just running, running a marathon. I mean, anyone can run a marathon in 42 degrees and, you know, with yeah, that is true. food and water and it's a lot easier. But yeah, <laughs> you raise the temperature, you take away the water. It makes it a pretty impossible feat that you actually did. So, you know, it, you'll probably never have one as bad as your first one. So what is your strategy when you're running a marathon? Do you carry gels with you or did you just because some people don't just drink water and keep going yeah um so my strategy is generally three to four gels and okay. i think it depends on the temperature of the race uh i know that i will i will always bring four gels but um so i usually bring four gels but there have been races where i've only had three and i will usually take them Oh, I don't know, every 45 minutes. And I usually take them with water. Um, I have taken them without water, which, as, as you said, it's not ideal. But I figure there'll be water again in another mile, and I'll have a drink then, and everything will be okay. Um, yeah, goo is my... Um, oh, hey, cutie. <laughs> She's going to accuse me. Annie, go, go. <laughs> A goo is my um, gel of choice, but that's only because I've only had a few others. I used to use hammer gel, uh, and hammer gel is just a little too runny for me. I generally like the, the thicker consistency of goo. Yeah, that's down a bit easier. I like that you actually can. <laughs> this might sound disgusting for some people, but you actually can chew on it. Yeah, Where you have others. They're like so fluid that you just it's sort of more like a drink, but the goo, you can actually like. Well, that's like, that's, you know, that's one of the big things. That's what you have to train with because different things aren't going to, they're not going to sit well with you every time. And if, and if goo or another brand works well for you, then that's what you've got to stick with because I say you don't want stomach issues when you're racing a marathon or a half marathon. Right. You know, any, any long distance than that stomach or running at all. In fact, you know, you don't want stomach issues. There's really right, nothing right. worse than that. I don't think we have to say any more about it, but you just don't want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you have any, like, routine before a race? Is there anything you do? Okay. So because I've been running for quite a long time, I mean, not once since I was a kid, but because 15 years, it's, yeah, I've, calmed, it's substantial. I've calmed down a lot over the years. So... I remember my first marathon was the Miami marathon and I didn't sleep a wink the night before. Just so excited. So, you know, 
just gung-ho, I just want to get out there. And then through the years, there was, there's been other races where I haven't slept the night before. And we know now that you don't have to sleep the night before. It doesn't actually impact your performance. Right. It's two and three nights before that make a difference. So I remember the last time I didn't sleep well before a race, it wasn't a big deal. It was like, eh, you know, it's, it's life, it's normal. But recently I've been sleeping like a baby before races um, because it is what it is, you know, you know. And you have peace of mind now, right? Yeah. Because after 15 as years. Far as, um, okay, as far as like routines, generally, I mean, no, I don't have any like, nothing funny. Like I have to wear one red sock or one blue sock or a special pair of shoes or, you know, brush my teeth with my left hand instead. <laughs> nothing like that. Jump on your... Um, <laughs> yeah. But I will always... I will always get up and I'll eat breakfast about three hours before. And that's just so everything digests before. And when I'm running, usually I generally, generally speaking, I don't eat before I run. Um, I will eat when I'm going out before a really long run. Like if I'm doing a 20 miler, I'll probably have something, a banana, but I prefer to run fasted and then come home and eat. Right. And then before a race, I would have already, I would eat. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like extra energy. It's, I feel so much better. It's like having coffee for the first time. And right. uh, you're like, wow, I'm like super. I've got to, got to move, got to run. Right. So did you feel, I asked this, I interviewed um, FOD runner, Andy Rayner. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's based in the UK. Um, and he said that he, he started running and then he became a vegetarian. And he knows, he noticed he was feeling better when he was running. He said, I, I was like sluggish when I was consuming meat. And then I stopped feeling that sluggish and heavy. And did you, how long have you been a vegetarian? Well, you're vegan. I'm vegan and um, I'm actually coming up on my seven year veganversary. Okay. Um, but so you were an athlete, you were a triathlete and you yep. started running before. Did you notice the difference in like your performance or anything at all? I definitely felt better. Um, w without a doubt, I definitely felt better. So before I would feel like really heavy and getting tired after dinner. Now I don't have that anymore. Um, I still get really full because in order to to get the calories in that I need, I have to eat a lot of food. And um, I'm thinking of doing a what I eat in a day video. Oh, I would um, love to see that. Yeah, my daughter, Michelle, she, she said that she loves them and you know she thinks that people would find it interesting. I um, would. And I put it, I told my wife, Harmony, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it. And she's like, you know, you, you can't just make your food and show people because it, it just looks like a mess. <laughs> It just, you know, I'm not a food stylist and it doesn't look beautiful every time I eat. So I think we're going to like kind of position everything on the kitchen counter and then I'll go through and explain what I do and what I eat. But um, yeah, I get very full because I have to eat so much food. There's right. a, lot of, a lot of peanut butter. You know, that's, you know, you've been watching my channel, you know, I, I'm a big fan of peanut butter, you know, I eat it for every meal. But um, yeah, a lot of lettuce. Uh, you know, and it's funny, just going off on a tangent because we're talking about food. I was actually, I was talking to Harmony the other day about 
about a meal that she made for me after I did a half Ironman in Florida. And I came home and she made a big rack of ribs for me. And I was, I remember I was like, oh man, I'm like the king. Look at this giant rack of ribs. And there was two sticks. I tell you, the whole meal must have been 5,000 calories. But I remember that I looked at the calories of that rack of ribs and it was like 3,000 calories for that entire record, which I just was like, just ate the whole thing. And it was very soon after that, that I was like, ah, you know what? I think, I think it's time to make a change to try and eat better. Cause that old adage of, um, if the fire is hot enough, you can burn anything. It doesn't, it doesn't really hold true. You know, maybe Maddie. if you're 15, 16, you can do that. But I think we have to take a little better care of our bodies um, and a plant-based diet just, it really works for me. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bash everyone over the head with this is what I do and this is what everyone should do. I think it's something that you need to find out what works best for you because, um, you know, most of us in a Western culture have been raised to have meat with every meal. Like it's part of the meal. And yeah. I remember when, when Harmony first suggested, why don't we just have one meal a week without meat? I remember just being horrified. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be, how? I'm not even going to be able to sleep that night because I'm going to be so hungry. And then, and then I switched to being a pescatarian. So it was just eating fish and, um, and, you know, and then it just, it just progressed. And then one day I was like, you know what, enough, I am going to be vegan. There are so many reasons that I want to do this. It's very easy right now. I mean, we, we live at a time where it's a luxury to be able to choose what right. we can eat. Um, you know, for some people, they just, they don't have that option. They have to eat whatever's available. And, you know, if it's a, a hot dog that's totally processed and it's just getting calories in, it's about, it's about life and death pretty much. Right, and, right. You know, being hungry is no fun. So yeah, I, I recognize how lucky I am to be able to choose to, you know, to be plant-based. Right. Last question for you. Shoes. Shoes. I want to hear about which shoes are you like, do you rotate shoes? You probably do, right? Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So actually my YouTube channel has actually helped me out as far as shoes go, because I used to run in the same shoes all the time and I'd have three pairs of the same shoes going and I would just rotate them. Um, and the channel kind of, it kind of opened my eyes to wanting to try something a little more because if people are going to be looking at me and seeing what I do, then I'd like to do something that perhaps could benefit them. And I think rotating different shoes is really beneficial just because it teaches your body different in a very small micro ways, how to run differently when you're running in different stack heights, when you're running in firmer shoes and softer shoes, it just makes you a more well-rounded runner. So yeah, right now I'm rotating four pairs of shoes. I do have a, a pair right down here in the box that I'll be doing an initial review on. Um, I was actually planning. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually had this shoe in my office that I was planning to do a hundred mile review on today, but I'll have to do that tomorrow. Um, so. And what are those shoes? Those are the, the Reebok 
Forever Float Ride Energy 2. It's a mouthful. I know. Why do they make them so long? <laughs> they keep adding stuff to the <laughs> Yeah, they, you know, they, they just add another word and it makes it that much more exciting and that much yeah, more yeah. compelling. Um, <laughs> You're yeah, faster. The more words you have in the name, you get faster. Yeah, you know exactly, that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny, I was talking to another running YouTuber, running with Mark, and we were talking about all the shoe review YouTubers out there and There's the lot, success yeah. that those guys get because as runners we love our shoes you know it's, it's well that's uh, where most of the money goes you know yeah. you buy a pair of shoes a decent pair of shoes is minimum 100 bucks minimum yeah so, and 100 bucks is is a budget pair of shoes i was gonna now, say yeah yeah are you are you married to the reebok or do you try different brands uh, like do you brands. like reebok more than others no i'm kind of i'm kind of like i hate to say a nike fanboy but um i i've run mostly in nike shoes and you know it's it's a product of like my childhood when i grew up and you know nike was like the, the big thing on the scene and there was right. all kinds of shoes that i really liked when i was a kid and i'm sure that influences my decision now um my favorite pair of shoes that I run in are the Nike Zoom Fly 3s. And I've had they're just, them. They're awesome yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a great shoe. And if you, the Zoom Fly 3, you can find a great deal on them still. But the Reeboks, um, I don't know if I'll buy another pair, at least while I'm doing YouTube. Because while I'm doing YouTube, I think, well, I may as well try something new that I can then talk about on the channel and it's another it's another video idea it's it's letting someone else know that right. hey i'm trying something new i'm not just sticking to what has always worked so that's that's kind of my thinking behind it i'm not i'm not married to any of the shoes that i currently have right so in terms of where can people find you you are on youtube obviously you're on instagram okay. I am on, okay, so at the, at the bottom in the show notes of all my videos, there is a list of everywhere you can find me. So YouTube is my main social media. Uh, Strava is like my favorite social media, so you can find me on there. Instagram, I post stuff every day that I'm building a nice community there. I also have a Facebook group. There is a Strava running club. I'm on Twitter. Um, so, you know, basically across the board, whatever your preference is, is where you can find me. I'll put all your links below so they can find you. And this has been a pleasure. I was so excited to have you um, for being on my channel. Um, okay. I just want to say that I have really been enjoying your channel. I think, you know, interviews seem to be, there's a lot of running YouTubers doing interviews out there and I have just really been enjoying yours and. Thank you. So, I'm, so what I'm trying to say is that I'm really happy to be on your channel and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay. Talk, talk to you, you soon. <laughs> I'll All see right. you around. Thanks for watching, <laughs> guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. All the links to Matt's social media platforms will be in the show notes below, so make sure to check them out. With this being said, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you come back for more like this one. Run fearless, you guys. Ciao.